A few months ago, I narrated an audiobook called Scratches. From time to time, I get an audiobook that I really, really like. And this was one of them. Today's guest is the author of that book. It's called Scratches, and it's written by author Joshua Marcella, who's not only a very good author, he's also a very good friend. It so happens that this episode is being released on his birthday, so happy birthday, Joshua. Joshua here may have scared you with his books before, if you've read them. If you haven't, you should. However, he's got something that a lot of horror authors don't, which is not just a scary story, but a scary experience. So today, instead of scaring you with his books, he's going to scare you by telling his own personal story. My name is Albie Robles, and I want you to scare me. Um, hello, my name is Joshua Marcella. I am the author of two novellas, Scratches and Severed, as well as a short story collection, Hunger for Death, which just came out last November. I also have several short stories out in uh, many different anthologies, and all that could be found on Amazon. Um, I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you name it. So I just started a podcast called Writers on Wax, which is essentially a platform where I sit down and chat one-on-one with authors from all different genres, all different parts of the world, and have them, you know, we we chat about um, music, how music influences their writing, um, their musical journey throughout their life, uh, different things like that. And we kind of see where the conversation goes. I come up with questions once in a while. And, um, you know, we, we, it, it, so far, I've had some great experiences, and I'm looking forward to getting more guests on there, um, not only to discover new music, to, but to see how music uh, is influential in the writing process for many authors. So my attraction to horror started at a very early age. Um, I always credit Stephen King um, with my love of horror because I grew up in Maine, and all the time on cable television, we'd see horror movies uh, on t- on on uh, TV. You know, especially Stephen King. He was huge back in the in the eighties and nineties. You couldn't turn on the TV without seeing some sort of either horror movie or one of his uh, other movies. And so, really, it started with that. And I also was a big fan of. You know, scary stories to tell in the dark and any books on Halloween and things of that nature. Uh, and then when Goosebumps came out, it really just blew my mind. And, and I was I was in it, you know, for life. Um, so, yeah, it, it really started at an early age. I think my one of the first recollections I have of watching a horror movie was at age five when I first saw Child's Play um, on the VHS that my mom brought home. And that just really probably warped my mind at a very early age. <laughs> my taste of horror kind of evolved over time, you know, as a kid. Well, I guess I could say that because I was introduced to, you know, some really dark, nasty horror early on, um, my taste didn't evolve that much. But, um, you know, when you're when you're a kid and you're introduced to that stuff so early on, and then you find stuff that's a little more lighthearted and fun, you know, like say goosebumps, um, Halloween specials on TV. Um, it's, it's hard to go anywhere once you've gotten to that 
you know, like, because I remember watching the first it miniseries when I was six years old on TV. Um, and that really traumatized me because of the clowns and, and all that stuff. But so it, it didn't really go too much further or evolve that much from when I was a little kid. But I did. Um, I did notice that when I got home from the military, I actually had to cut back on my intake of horror because uh, I was suffering from PTSD um, from being in the war zone. And, you know, I'd be triggered a lot into having these extreme panic attacks. And so for a while, I had to actually step back and stop watching horror. Um, And that was tough because it's always been such a huge part of my life. But um, the past I don't know, five, six years, I've slowly been desensitizing myself. And now uh, I can pretty much just about watch anything. And it's it's really hard to know if I'm going to be triggered or not. Um, but so I do my best to kind of like catch myself or if I notice something is really setting me off, I'll step back and and look away or whatever. But um, but and also being a avid horror reader and writer uh it's kind of taken on a whole new world for me uh, a whole new it's kind of changed everything for me so i'm not really affected as much as i used to be so it didn't take much to set me off um for quite a while what got me into writing was most of my life i've ha- i've struggled with add and i had a really hard time focusing on sitting down and reading a book and i would read maybe one or two books a year sometimes i would start a book and never finish it um but primarily i would i was got really into stephen king books and those really helped me out cuz they were really good and they would you know keep my attention um but for some reason uh, around 2019 in the fall I jumped back into the Dark Tower series and book four of the Dark Tower was um, where I had left off maybe two years prior. And I jumped back into it and I said, you know what, I'm going to finish this series. I really want to do it. So I started reading it and the series sucked me right in and I ended up finishing it within a few months. And after that, I started reading three, four, five books a month. Something just clicked. And Honestly, it was it was doing a lot of reading and it was doing a lot of uh, like I read Stephen King's on writing and and going to book signings and stuff like that. And hearing the enthusiasm by these authors talking about what they loved about write, reading and writing and all these different things really just inspired me to to give it a shot because I'd always enjoyed writing in school and stuff. But I never thought in a million years I could actually do it and and sell books and be, you know, be an author. And and then it just kind of clicked with me and I, you know, I'm a stay at home dad and I wanted something to do beyond, you know, hanging out with my kids. So at nighttime I started writing and it just kind of took off from there. And, you know, now I'm, I have three published books and, and a fourth written already, and I'm still writing almost, uh, almost every day. So that's kind of where it took off. So when I was in high school, um, I was, you know, this is probably the year 2000, 2001, I was with my best friend and we were staying at his aunt and uncle's house, which um, Maine is a very, it's one of the older states. There's a lot of uh, older homes, especially along the rivers. And this home that we were staying in, we were actually dog sitting um, for an old dog named George. And um, so this house was, you know, had a, had a history of, 
being haunted. It has like a, the family had maybe, I think they had two, two or three children and then the, the parents, but it had a long history of different families living there. I'd say going back to, I don't know if it was like the late 1700s or 1800s. Um, and so we were staying at this house and we actually invited over a couple other buddies of ours and we were going to play some Xbox all night. We had gotten soda and, and snacks, all the stuff high schoolers like to eat. And we decided, you know, we're going to hang out here all night. We're all going to stay the night and just kind of hang out with George and, and have a good time, you know, uh, and play video games. And so that's what we were doing. And, you know, it was nothing was strange all night. It was kind of kind of normal. And, and it was actually around Christmas time. And I remember, you know, because we had been talking about the place being haunted because it had such a long, you know, such a history. And the family that lived there actually had several experiences with with different things. But, you know, we were like, oh, nothing's ever going to happen here tonight or whatever. So anyway, it was on the front door on the inside of the house. There was a motion censored Santa Claus like on a wreath. And it was kind of, you know, you'd walk in front of it and it would be censored. You'd have to like move your hand in front of it. And it would actually it would be like, oh, and it would do something. I think it jiggled or something. And so we were playing video games and once in a while we would hear the Santa Claus go off and we were like, well, that's strange, you know? And, and we thought maybe there's a draft or something like that, but it was actually the door that it was on was connected to the garage, which was the garage was shut. And so there was, it really wasn't an opportunity for a breeze to come through there or anything like that, or maybe the shaking the door or something. So that was like the kind of the start of the strangeness and other than that, we were just, you know, being high school kids, hanging out, having fun. And so later on that night, you know, as I said, we had all planned on staying the night there playing Xbox. And all of a sudden, my like the other friends that were there with us, I think it was like two or three other friends started feeling uneasy and, and they just didn't feel comfortable. And, and we thought maybe they had like too much soda or something. And so they said, you know, they weren't really feeling good. They were just going to head out and stay at their own homes that night. And this was in the winter, um, you know, so it was very cold and, and icy out. And so we were like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever you guys, you know, well, I'll, I'm going to stay here with my, with my best friend. His name was Tony. And so I decided to stay the night with him and, and, so those guys left because they weren't feeling very good. And so I stayed with Tony and we were playing, you know, Xbox a little longer. And all of a sudden I started to feel really sick. Like it just, I, I honestly felt like I was nauseous, sweating. Like I was, I had like the symptoms of the flu coming on. And so I told him, I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to go lay down. I am not feeling good. He's like, dude, your like face is all white and you look like, you know, death right now. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, and I was like all out of it, lethargic. I'm like, I'm just gonna go lay down. So I went into the the living room where we were actually gonna sleep. And I had planned on sleeping on the floor. And he was gonna sleep right behind me on the couch. And I ended up just laying on the couch. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I just don't, you know, it, it was really weird. It was like, almost like I was in some sort of trance, but I was so because you know, when I'm so sick. Um, and he says, well, you were going to sleep on the floor. And I'm like, dude, I know I'm just not feeling good. So anyway, I just laid down on the couch and I barely remember that whole part of it. And so I'm sleeping and I remember, 
waking up in the middle of the night and I could see in the, there's a wood stove in front of us and I could see like, it was like glowing orange. Like it was like, there was a fire going. I think, I think Tony had actually set a fire and cause to kind of take the chill out of the air. And he was actually on the floor in front of me sleeping. And I woke up and I was like, I didn't have my glasses on. And at the time I didn't have a uh, LASIK surgery. So my eyesight was awful, but I remember looking up and asking him, Hey, Tony, like, dude, who are all these people? Because I could see there was a, the fireplace and then Tony. And then right where he was laying, there was like silhouettes of people blocking out the fire, like the glow from the fire. And I was like, dude, who are all these people in the room with us? And he said, uh, what are you talking about? And he like jumped up really quick because he was freaking out. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. And I, and I kind of just like started to doze off again. And it was really weird because the next morning he had told me basically the history of that house is that like tons of people have died from many different families because of mostly because of illness. Um, and so it was kind of weird that this whole the whole night kind of started getting weird when all of us like started feeling kind of ill and, and, you know, uneasy. And, and then by the time I went to bed um, and then saw these like figures in front of me while I was sleeping, like having these flu like symptoms, it was really just, it was eerie. And I still like, I get chills thinking about it to this day because I was awake and he actually told me about it the next morning, how, you know, I had woken him up and, and saw all these people and stuff like that. And, um, and that was one of the things that I've personally experienced that really just freaked me out. And I've never experienced anything like it, um, ever since or ever, you know, and I've, I, I'm interested in that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of sad that nothing, I don't have any of these like awesome elaborate stories, but that one was one that really stuck with me because it was so, it was so real. You know what I mean? It was crazy. On the Kennebec River, Kennebec River is actually known for back in like the 1800s and stuff. They used to do a ton of logging. Um, it's really cool when you see pictures of Gardner, Maine, where I'm from. Uh, they used to have horse and buggies and, and the dirt roads and everything. And all the buildings are still there. Um, but they were known for logging. And you can actually go when you look on the river, they have, I don't know what they're called, but they're like these man-made islands in the middle of the river in certain areas. And that was how they kind of used to steer their logs and stuff. And those islands are still all there and you can actually go out to them and you can find like pieces of rebar. And the river has a long history going all the way down to like Wiscasset and Booth Bay and all those towns have rich histories of, of hauntings and, um, they, they actually do tours um, in some of those towns. I, I'm not sure what they, they call them, like lantern tours or something like that. And you can actually go in like October and you can pay money and these people will take you around with a lantern and walk you around to different homes and tell you the stories behind the hauntings in each home. Um, so that's what's really cool about this this area of Maine and, and Maine in general is there is a pretty rich history of of hauntings and things like that. And that was just, that home is just one that I was able to experience. Um, and it's just, it's stuck with me. I mean, it's been at least 20 years now. So I haven't done any history on the house, but to be honest, I, th I think I may, because I, I recently discovered our local library has a digital archive of 
newspaper clippings and things like that. You can go back. Um, I'm not sure how far back you can go, but I, I just started looking at this, um, these archives. And I think that's something I'd really be interested because it's actually a small town right next to um, my town, which is Gardner. I live in West Gardner, but Gardner's the town on the river. And this town is called Pittston where this house is located right on the river. And I'm I'm almost positive I could I could find something about that or the time period where it was from if I you know if I get the address and everything. So another story I was just recently told it didn't happen to me but my mother um they bought a house uh, it was it was actually a cabin on Sheepskip Pond which is like you know 45 minutes away from where I live and they ended up renovating it and turning it into a a full like year round home and. She said, my stepdad and her, like sometimes when they're sleeping, they can like, he'll wake up and be like, you know, Kathy, what? Like, and he'll be like, she'll be like, what? He'll be like, did you just smack me? And she's like, no, I'm sleeping. Like she, he'll get smacked in the arm and stuff. Um, There's been times where he wakes up and hears a, like a shotgun shell that was like, who knows where, like up somewhere put away rolling across the floor back and forth um even though like the floor is nice and level and he said there's no way that could that could do that um there's a, there was also a time my mom said when uh when her husband left town he was going to a hockey game i guess with his grandkids and she was lying in bed and you know, I think she was maybe watching TV or, or reading a book or something. And she said she could hear, like, because she's she's heard many, many times him walking through the living room in the other room and, like, his footsteps. So she said, oh, she could hear him walking across the room in the living room. She goes, oh, he must have come home and decided not to go to this hockey game. So she says, hey, honey. And then like, she didn't hear anything. And she said that the the footsteps basically walked right up to the door. And she says she got up and looked out and there was no one there in the house at all with her. She said the house was completely empty. So she called her husband. He was already out of, out of state on the way. I think they were going to New Hampshire or something. So she tells me all these little stories like that, that, um, you know, that they experience in that home and it, she goes, there's no doubt in her mind that that place is definitely has a history to it or something that they're not privy to. So if I was to try to convince, not necessarily convince somebody, but kind of open their mind to the possibilities of what could be out there. Um, you know, I guess it's just, I would try to say, you know, why not? I mean, we, there's, there's parts of the earth that we haven't even explored, like the deepest depths of the ocean. Um, there's answers that we don't have as human beings, um, you know, as many billions of lives that have passed through this earth. Um, we still don't know what happens after death. We don't know why we dream. We don't know, you know, there's so many questions that we don't have answers to. And the idea that, you know, we know for a fact that there's no such thing as ghosts. or we know for a fact that there's no such things as any of these, you know, paranormal experiences when so many people have, have experienced these things, um, you know, just try to try to be a little more open-minded about it because it, it's one of those things where if you experience something yourself, um, 
you know, you would feel pretty crummy if, if you try telling people about it and they just pass you off as crazy because it's all about personal experience. If you see something and you know something is, is you know, weird or or shouldn't have happened, um, just p- put yourself in their shoes, you know what I mean? Because most people, you know what I mean, without an agenda aren't going to come up with some crazy story like, like, say, the one I told or the one my mom and her husband was telling me because they're not the type of people they have no, you know, interest or, you know, they're not making some statement or something like that. They're not these types of people like, see, I'm a horror author. Maybe it's, it's in my best interest to convince people that these things are real. But when you have people that have like crazy experiences like that, but they have no reason why they would ever come up with these things. You gotta, you gotta think about that sort of thing. Um, instead of just passing it off, you know what I mean? So, um, just, you know, keep an open mind about things and, and uh, just understand that we don't have all the answers and, and uh, there is still some mysteries out there. And that's kind of a cool thing, you know. Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albirobelesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albie Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. Additional sound beds are provided by Stephen D. Voiceovers. You can follow us on social media. We are Scare Me Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albirobelesvoice.com.